In today's episode, we're speaking to Jonathan Satowski, who is the CEO and Chief Behavioral Coach of Satowski Assets Management. Jonathan provides leadership, coaching, advanced financial planning, and oversight across client relationships and business operations. Prior to founding in 2007, Jonathan served for over 13 years at American Express Financial Advisors, where he was recognized by the Chairman Advisory Council as one of the youngest top 10 advisors at the company. Let's speak to Jonathan today to find out how we can create a life by design to have unlimited abundance. Let's find out. Money Mindset with Girl Khan podcast will help you to break free from your limiting beliefs, reverse your money shame and blast through your money blocks so that you can live a life of unlimited abundance. In this podcast, we will talk about energy tools and mindset strategies that will help you to understand and change your relationship with money, whether you're in a job, profession or working on your passion. Change your relationship with money to change your life. I'm your host, Gul Khan. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome. This Hi. is Gul Khan, your money mindset expert. And I'm here today with the amazing John Satowski. Hello, Jonathan. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for having me, Gul. It's been such a pleasure. We had such a blast talking with you on the Friday feature segment, and it was such an interesting conversation. I think it went in more depth than we normally do on Friday Features, but it was such an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being on our, being a guest for that. And so we had to have you back for Money Talkies. So today's topic, Jonathan, is creating a life by design for unlimited abundance. So let's get cracking with that. So what is your definition of, let's get your definition of unlimited abundance first. What do you define as unlimited abundance? So it's funny, you should say, the uh, other day someone asked me, how much money is enough? What's the amount? What's the number that you need? And I said, it's not a number. It's a feeling. If you have the resources to support a lifestyle, that you have the freedom of time, money, relationships, and purpose, you've achieved abundance. And for some, it doesn't actually require a dollar amount that's in the stratosphere. It could be a more modest amount if it gives you the freedom to be able to do those things. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone's definition of what's enough or what is unlimited abundance is different. And this is why I don't specify. It depends on what you want to do. Somebody wants to live in a mansion. Somebody else is quite happy living, you know, uh, for example, my brother's idea of having freedom is buying a a mobile home and just traveling around the world. That's what he he wants to live in, like a nomad life. He wants to travel the world. That's it. That's his idea. And all he said he needs is like, you know, I think 40,000, something like that to buy his home, that mobile home of his or whatever. And he wants to just move, like just travel around the world. He doesn't want to have any material uh, goods. He doesn't want to have be tied down to a property. He just doesn't want any of that. And it makes sense. You know, his idea, he and I, by the way, me and brother are pulled apart. Um, he's not really into, he wasn't one point in time into cars, but he's not into that anymore. He He's more into just traveling the world and seeing things from a different perspective and living that kind of life. That is hell for me. I would die in a, in a lifestyle like that. I, would, I just can't. I love traveling, but... I need to have the seven star. Like I'm a really luxury person. I can't be living the way he wants to. But then his idea, my idea are completely opposite, even though we're born in the same household and we've grown up. And this illustrates perfectly what everyone's, you know, everyone's definition of abundance is different. And this is why we cannot put a a label on, okay, you need to have this amount of money before you're financially free and this amount of money before you're abundant. 
it is a personal choice and it is a personal definition, right? No doubt. It's, uh, you know, it's being self-aware enough. You sound like you're more self-aware than many people. Being self-aware to say, you know what? I'm only going to travel in seven-star resorts. Otherwise, I'm not going to bother travel. Yeah. And I, I as you I mean, said, your brother's comfortable, you know, being a, being a gnome. Yeah, but post-COVID, there's a lot of people that are actually comfortable being digital nomads. You know, you can work theoretically from anywhere. Yeah. You can connect to the world. You have Wi-Fi pretty much anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And so physical place and location is less important. So if you have that adventurous soul that you're willing to um, live in less than seven-star accommodations all around the world, you can live a tremendously rich life. And most importantly, in his case, he can, he can have a Jedi mindset of being sort of impervious to anyone else's desires and demands because he's. it doesn't sound like he's that easily sucked in to other people's wants becoming his needs. No, he isn't. He's, he's, or his, his needs being other people. Yeah, he is. I mean, we're both, yeah. like I said, we are poles apart, but we both have very strong alpha personalities, me being alpha female, him being alpha male. But he is a very strong-minded individual, and I respect him for that, and I, I, I love his admiration. Okay, that's what he wants to do, and that's what he's going to go ahead and do. And he doesn't, you know, convert to the idea of having, you know, stuck in a room and in a home doing the nine-to-five. That's not my – my brother's never been that way, and he's not like that. But it means – we have we get to design our life. Because this is why I think this his topic was so apt, because we, as you know, as you say, you're creating a life by design. He is doing that as we speak. He's he's got his mind mind that what he wants to do, where he's going to go, and how he's going to live the next you know 30, 40, 50 years of his life, which is great. By the way, he needs to stop smoking, so he has 30, 40, 50 years in my life. I'm like I'm concerned about him in that respect, but yeah, so. That's okay. So that's definition of unlimited um, abundance. So then, how do we go about doing it? And I know how my brother's doing it because obviously I'm, I'm there as well for him. But let me put this question to you. So if someone like that came to you and said, "Okay, Jonathan, that's what I want to do," how would you go about designing a life? How do you, you know, acknowledge the fact that you want this, and then how do you design your life? You know, how do you create a life like that? So for for anyone, whether you're a digital nomad or whether you're Uh, wanting to live in seven-star resorts, you have to understand two simple things. The root of financial planning, like a doctor, is looking at someone's balance sheet and cash flow. And from a balance sheet and cash flow statement standpoint, if you do not want to be dependent on your job and on your working years and your labor, and you want to be completely bulletproof, the endowment formula is to, in your brother's case, if he only needs $30,000 a year to live, if he had a million dollars saved between retirement and post-retirement money and it's structured smartly, he can support thirty to $40,000 a year adjusted for tax and inflation in perpetuity as mm-hmm. if he was an endowment. So it, it, it involves, we talked a little bit about math, money, and mindset. Yeah. It's a little bit about understanding the math to be able to support his ability to be able to do what he wants. If he doesn't have the million dollars and is in the accumulation phase, He's got to contemplate, is he intending to work in perpetuity to support that? Or can he put himself in a position that he can pay himself first, you know, save a dime of every dollar away from himself, donate some for charity, you know, whatever uh, is aligned to his value system so that he can put himself in a position where he's not dependent on the working wage to be able to support the lifestyle and he can really have true freedom. I think this is the key question, Jonathan, isn't it? A lot of people think, well, I want to do this. And a lot of people put their dreams on hold till retirement, which is real sad, actually. But becoming aware of what it is that you want and then 
working out the math behind the case of how much money do I need to support this lifestyle? That I think is a missing key for most people. People are not aware of working that out. So how does one begin to work out um, you know, this plan of yours? How do I work out? So I need, for example, my, you know, my, when I worked out, I know exactly how much, because then I'm a money person. So I know exactly how much money I need for my kind of lifestyle. Um, you know, I know I need to be, um, for, for my basic needs, I'll probably be a hundred thousand a month. Um, if I live exponentially the way I want to go, maybe a million a month. Okay. That's my, the, the kind of target where I'm hitting at. I don't need that much money. I just want that much money because I'm, I'm a money person. But if I want to generate um, a million dollars a month on a, without working, um, that's a plan that we can leave to one side. I can work about later. Let's go with a hundred thousand. So if I want to, if I want to make a hundred thousand a month, and so about about one point two million a year to support my lifestyle, which is you know it is what it is. How, you know, how, if I know a figure, how do I work backwards then? The figure for that one point that one point two million dollar spend rate, if you were dependent on no other sources of income, earned income, social security, pension income, your number theoretically would be 30 million because okay. what you're doing is essentially taking you know, 30, 30, 40 million. So you're basically taking a 3%, three to 4% spending policy as a function of your capital resources. Okay. So the reason that three to 4% spend rate is important is not to say that you're investing in only targeting a 3% return. You might be targeting a much higher return profile, but you have to take into account several factors big factors that are stumbling blocks for people. Number one, the hidden cost of inflation, because you want that 100000 a month adjusted for inflation in the next 50 years. Mm-hmm. Second, second thing is taxes. There's going to be, depending on the structure of how you've accumulated assets, there's going to be taxability on the deaccumulation or distribution of the assets. So inflation, taxes. And then the third thing that's the biggest hidden cost to most people is behavioral risk. It costs about a percent let's say three three to four percent for inflation, one to two percent for taxes, spending rate three to four percent, and then in um, behavioral risk tends to be about one and a half percent on average in culture and society. For so in, in, oversimplifying, let's say we we set up an investment portfolio for you that you are intended to sit on for the next 30, 40, 50 years. The likelihood of you sitting still, I would say, you know, if you have 30 years 40 years ahead, you're going to guarantee that you're going to live through a handful of financial crises during that lifespan. And the risk is during those moments, depending on your state of mind, somewhere in the next 40 years, there may be a moment that you have heart heart palpitations and you change the path that you're on. Mm. You start to lose faith. You start to become a little undisciplined and you're saying, well, everyone... Fear creeps in and everyone, you know, causes you to run for the hills and, you know, abandons the confident path of holding on during very tumultuous yeah. times. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a tragedy. That's a, a, it's a hidden cost to even the wealthiest people in the world who think they know better. They mm-hmm. think they're in the know and it's unfortunate, mm-hmm. but sometimes the wealthier people uh, make more mistakes than the uh, less sophisticated. Oh yeah, I mean, I think they're supposed to be. Yeah, I can vouch for that. The more money I've made, the more I lost. <laughs> On my investing journey, I've made more and I've lost more because I had more to lose. So I've taken more stupid risks. 
And uh, I am where I am. I, mean, I think they're, they're, they're brilliant lessons because I'd rather lose a hundred than a million. And uh, I've lost probably a lot more than a hundred so far, hundred K a day is. Um, but yeah, you the more money you make, the more you are able to lose. And that's where you do end up losing. I agree by, you know, wrong investments. But yeah. oh, okay, so those, yeah. so how do we, how, how does one factor that in that, okay, so we are, I, I get your point, there should be a long-term planning. So, I mean, give, give you using the current example because the new form of asset that we have at the moment is crypto, and crypto is for those who understand crypto is a very long term. Um, it's a long term game, and it's here to stay. It's not going to go away tomorrow. It's a new technology, it's a new platform, and it's going to be here for a while. But if you are, um, you know, if you're overly exposed, um, you can be, uh, you know, how do you manage that those sort of risks and stuff? I mean, you have to you know, keep the long term planning. So how do you factor in? How do you how do you well uh, personally and philosophically, I'm not a I'm not an investor in crypto. And the reason why is because philosophically, the way I'm trying to frame it for people is you're working, you have this podcasting business and coaching business. But if you weren't working and you wanted to live off the money and you wanted to sit on the beach or you wanted to travel the world like your brother, what do you need to do? philosophically, the way that we've approached it is a balance between Jack Vogel trying to keep costs down Mm. and Warren Buffett of just owning the most profitable businesses in the world. Mm. So if you own a profitable business, it doesn't matter whether it's called a surfboard shop or a pizza stand or a bookstore. At the end of the day, you're able to pull off the profits and dividends from labor and the operations of a business. Mm. Crypto is different in the sense it's like buying a pet rock. Someone may pay more or may pay less. I have no idea, but it's not actually generating revenue. There's no cash flow that you can derive from that asset. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, so philosophically, that's just not my game, but I understand why people are fascinated by it. That being said, in a, in a controversial statement that I'm about to make, people were fascinated with beanie, beanie babies too. That didn't quite work out to the last people holding the beanie babies, you know? Well, okay, that's fine. So, I mean, crypto is um, dependent with you know we either you either love crypto or you want to avoid it like the plague. It's it's absolutely fine. But my question more is, how does one control one's behavior? So, leaving crypto to one side, even just sticking to the normal stocks, and you know, like some of the stable stocks, so to speak, like Facebook and Amazon's just skyrocketed <laughs> over the last ten years, which is unbelievable. You know, how does one? avoid that kind of behavior and not have the wobbly knees, you know, when, when, for example, when stocks crash, we've had that a couple of times, especially with COVID happened, it crashed then too. How does one control one's behavior? How do you, uh, how does one maintain the long-term vision? Well, part of it is knowing yourself, similar to your description of how your brother knows himself and you know yourself about your spending. You also have to know yourself about your aptitude and interest in money and your aptitude and interest in, in developing a personal philosophy around investing. Because at the end of the day, if you're investing for 30, 40, 50 years of your life, you have to know what kind of investor are you. As you probably are aware, some of the uh, most beautiful buildings in Las Vegas are uh, casinos. Hmm. Now, why is that? Well, the odds are with the casino, the casino generally wins. And the reason why is because people people don't know the, the, the probability and statistics of being able to succeed. They just do it for fun and entertainment. Well, investing shouldn't be as entertaining. People can do it for entertainment. That's fine. People can gamble for entertainment. That's fine. But if you want it, this is just my philosophy and maybe, you know, different strokes for different folks. 
what I have found to be most um, effective over a long period of time is sticking to the ideology of evidence-based research, which means that essentially by owning businesses and leaning toward cheap and profitability factors in a persistent way, the probability of your success over a lifetime, over 10, 20, 30 years, it's, it's actually not risky. If you're doing that for 20 plus years, you're not taking a risk at all. You're mm-hmm. actually following a very disciplined approach that makes, to me, you know, my only A plus in college were statistics, calculus, and logic. So to me, it just makes logical sense. And if I follow that logic forth over a lifetime, I take away any risk and any anxiety of feeling like I'm just, you know, throwing darts at a wall and it's just hit or miss. You know, there's a, you may have, may have seen the, um, long time ago, they used to have the, the monkey dart throwing versus the wall street journal, you know, versus the pros, you know, pros would pick, Oh, buy Facebook, buy Amazon. And the monkeys would throw a dart at the uh, wall street journal and, you know, hit a random stock. And oftentimes the monkey would outperform the pros. So I don't think anyone's an expert. I'm just relying on technology and academic research and, and operational efficacy. If you can get operational efficacy and support and structure into your finances, you'll increase the probability of success over a lifetime. And it takes work, but it, and it also takes a tremendous amount of discipline, belief, faith, and uh, trust and confidence in the people that are supporting you to be able to execute on that. And it's it's just it's worked for me. It's worked for my clients. It's worked for my firm for the last 25 years. And uh, you know, I we continue to find ways to improve upon it and expect to over the next 25 years. But philosophically, it makes sense to me because I hate Vegas, I hate gambling, and I hate losing, and I don't like losing money. So mm-hmm. if I am randomly throwing darts at a board, I'll feel like I'm losing and I won't know what I'm doing. If I'm following something that makes intellectual sense to me, then I can sit in front of someone, my mother, sister, brother, father, college friends, and say, you know, with confidence, if we devise this plan, I can say with a high probability, you're going you're gonna to do better than 99% of the population if you can stick on your path. Okay. So, so the first step is to know your number, to know what number is that you want to live on. Um, and that's that's something that you and every individual can do by themselves. It's something that they need to can go through. And there's various different ways to do that. Okay, so and I always whatever number you pick, I always say double it. I always go for double because you don't want your people always underestimate taxes and other hidden costs of accounting costs and other professional fees. I always say double the number wherever you want. Um, and, and that's what you need to work for. So okay, once we have the number, then we need to design a, a plan. And you're saying designing a plan through investing. And that is where your company comes in. That's where you come in. And so is that what you do? You sit down with your clients and work out, okay, so someone like me. So you go, you need 1.2 million every single year to, to live off, you know, to whatever, you know, the kind of life you want. Um, and I'm in my 40s. So how would you help me design this? So, so you know, just using my example, because a lot of the people listening to the audience um, for this podcast tend to be people who are in professional background, from, from professional backgrounds. They may have a pension, but pension is rubbish, by the way. I don't really believe in pensions. So, you know, you, they need to have some kind of plan, but again, outside the pension idea, they don't have any ideas of how to do it. So how would they do it? People who are in the late 30s and the early 40s and coming on to maybe in the 50s as well. These people who have um, are relatively young, who have probably maybe another 20, 30 years in their professional lives, but they're almost, you know, considering that we live up to 100 now, another you know, 50 years of life ahead of them. Yet we don't have the luxury of being in our 20s. So we, ha- we haven't got that time to build up this plan. How do we start? What, what, would you, what, would you, what would you do to someone like me? What would you say to someone like me? Oh. 
ideally, if you if you and I were working together, what we would do is we we want to begin with the end in mind. So I would like to be stewarding forty million dollars of investments for you to support and pay you out the hundred thousand a year tax, hundred thousand a month tax free in perpetuity, adjusted for tax and inflation. That's what I would say. And you might be like, oh my gosh, 40 million, that's a big number. How am I going to get there? So instead of being overwhelmed that it's like daunting if the numbers sound so stressful for you relative to where you are to get there, we just have to chip away and devise a plan to be able to carve out a percentage of your earnings each year mm. into your own lockbox, your own, you're creating your own pension, you're creating your own social security, you're creating your own safety blanket for yourself. And so my responsibility to you is, look, you can play all you want with crypto and with you know individual stocks, whatever you, you think is fun. And you might have some massive successes and failures and mm. you'll have a lot of entertainment. But if you want your nest egg, it's, for, it's my responsibility to carve out and try to get you to pay yourself first and carve something out for your future self so that you'll have resources that you can fall back on as a safety blanket. And I can tell you with a high degree of confidence and conviction, okay, I got your 100000 a month covered. Now you can go play, go enjoy yourself, do whatever you want with, with the other stuff. But this is a lockbox that you're not going to touch. Okay, I'm with you then. So so, so you don't advise, you actually, so you help to design a plan based on the current income and, and the current projections of, okay, how do we get to that 40 million mark? And then you you would look after, so instead of me investing, you would handle it. Is that right? So you actually look after and you're, the, so the, you're not just a financial planner, you actually do take care of the money and invest in the right stocks or companies is that is that right am i understanding we we act as an independent fiduciary so our our only client is you the client we do not work for any big institutions our responsibility is to figure out how to execute that as as effective as possible so sort of think of it like custom designing a a dress for you and if we custom design a dress for you that you're that's going to fit your situation and circumstances for you to be bulletproof then you're you can sit back and relax and enjoy yourself perfect and i love that idea because i think um, and as much as I love investing, and I do believe in you know in investing, and I, I think everyone should start investing from day one. You, you, with, with all the all the different things available, you should be doing some sort of uh, putting money away in some sort of investments all the time. And that's why I teach in the the, the five bank accounts, the cash flow mastery system that I have. But the issue, I think, the missing link here is because I'm not a financial advisor; I'm a lawyer. That's my background. But I think this is a missing link. So you do need to seek out professional help, people like yourselves. Where who can actually take your hard-earned cash instead of ruining like the way I have? Just like, oh, you, when you hear my stories, you'll just laugh. I think Jonathan, you're like, cool. What the hell have you been doing? I'm making money and flushing it down the toilet by the looks of it. But pretty much, you know, take that hard-earned cash and then putting it into a systemized way, locking away that I someone that I won't have niggly fingers and in going, going into and grabbing it out and putting it in a way that sustains sustains my lifestyle in the coming future. So I obviously don't want to be earning for the rest rest of my life but I do need to have money coming in so I don't want to be working so to speak I want to be able to retire so that's when you become financially free when you're able to your you know the nest egg should support you so that's where we're getting at um, and then we design a plan to come back okay so that's the amount of money you need this is how we do it so that makes sense to me and I like that idea for people starting out I you know my cash flow mastery system I put in 10% for investments what is your recommendation in terms of how much money people should be putting away for for this so for this category? Well, ten percent is an excellent start, and you know I think the national savings rate in America, for example, has historically been under three percent. So, ten mm. percent is a leg up on most people. So that's an excellent start. The answer is it depends. If you say I want to have that hundred thousand dollars a month to live on, 
every month adjusted for tax and inflation beginning in 10 years, mm. you may have to save a lot more. Yeah. We Agreed. also don't know your temperament and how you're, how you're going to respond during different market climates. So everyone has a different, call it speed limit of temperament of how fast you want to go. Some people want to go 50 miles an hour. Some people want to go 100 miles an hour. And that speed limit is going to determine how much you're going to want to save also. So there's multiple factors in calibrating your, your car, so to speak, mm-hmm. in the accumulation and, you know, and living off the money. But we have to begin with the end of mind and you have to say, look, if you prioritize, no joke, this is really important to me. I'm willing to make sacrifices to make this possible. Mm-hmm. Then we can design a plan to, to give you the confidence interval to be able to go do this and you're going to be fine. But if you, you know, if you're ambiguous about, well, it's not really that important. I'd like to have a hundred thousand a month, but you know, I can deal on 50,000 a month. Well, there's a big Delta. And then, and, and to your point, people definitely underestimate. I remember a woman that was retiring from the New York times said, uh, I would like to retire and I want to retire, you know, at the end of the year. And I want to spend 6,000 a month. And the husband says, don't let her retire. And I said, I'm not letting her retire. She's saying, can I retire on 6,000 a month? And it turns out she had confidence. I said, you can retire at 6,000 a month, but that's it. That's what you got to spend. And when she retired, she started spending 18,000 a month. And there's a big problem. Mm. So if you're not honest with yourself, that spending rate of what you need to sustain the lifestyle you want to maintain, it turned out that when you're working, you can't spend as much money when you're not working. If you're not working and you're young and active, you may want to travel more. You want to buy more clothes, you know. So your conservative notion about doubling your spending is actually a good buffer of safety for psychological safety. So you can make yourself more bulletproof in the future. Yeah. Even that, that normally scares people anyway, because I, 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 I mean, the way I, I go through it, I'm quite, quite um, stringent in terms of, okay, for this, if you want to have a maid, if you want to have, because I'm, I'm really into luxury. So, okay, if you want to have somebody who does a cleaning, I do not do cleaning. If you want someone to do the gardening, you want to have a chef, or you want to have this, whatever. You may not want it, but if you want those things, factor those in. And then, um, you know, in terms of holidays and whatever else, whatever people want to buy, I factor in the fact that I like cars, I want to have cars. And then have a number in mind and then we double it. So I go I go above and beyond and make people crazy. But then I have a, I have a reason to do it, not to financially plan, but actually to work to a target that we're working through to expand their financial thermostat because a lot of people are a lot lower than there. And the, and the, the fact that we get this number and then we double it, usually <laughs> send them scaring to the hills, screaming to the hills anyway. But it's a, it's a good number to start to see, okay, that is where I am to live my ideal life. And also people become aware they don't need to have millions, um, not to, they don't have to have, you know, making millions a month to be able to live a, a, a very luxury lifestyle either. So some people are just, you know, sort of more aware, okay, that's what I need to have. And okay, fair enough. Okay, so now that we have, we know we know what number we have, we know how to, um, you know, how to implement it with, with your help, we can actually start chipping away and suddenly putting this, a separate account where we are building this for our, for not I won't call it retirement I hate the word retirement but for our financial freedom day so this is called a financial freedom day um what's next then what what do you what, what do you do afterwards what's the third step I mean the other thing is just looking at someone's blind spots I think that at the end of the day in relationships I think I might have told you uh, um, uh, the other day it's easy to be Einstein for others and Mr. Magoo for ourselves yes so we have a lot of blind spots. And so whether it's my firm or another or another financial advisor, you need to find someone that you trust that has your backs to be able to see your blind spots. Mm-hmm. And the blind spots could be 
to your point, could be taxes, could be insurance, it could be the available retirement plans that are at your disposal disposal through work. You know, depending on what company you work for, you may have stock or stock options or deferred compensation, other types of things. And people have to know how the interrelationship of all of these different tools at their disposable are mm. to make wise decisions. It's not just, you know, a blank slate of paper for everyone. People sometimes have constraints. So you really have to work with, you know, again, using the doctor analogy, like the blood work that you're working with to understand what someone's allergic to, what someone's, you know, um, history is, family heredity, you know, family history and family biases. And once you have all that information, it's just recognizing that it's a lifelong process. It's not a short term, you know, here, buy crypto on a day, you're, you're, you're fixed, you know, you're good for a lifetime. It's I think a, a lot of people have it's a lifelong process that you have to be engaged with someone that basically has your back. Yeah. I think people have this misconceived idea that there's some kind of magic pill or magic stock or magic thing that they they can go and buy and then they they'll create generational wealth. And there are some people who've done that, they've created it, but tend to I mean, you know, there is the the, the guy who you know who co-founded Ethereum who's the youngest billionaire, whatever, and um, and there are some you know rare examples, but those are just rarities, there are the exceptions. The average person has to find a plan. But the, the point of today's podcast is every single individual can create a plan and execute it with the help of a professional. I do recommend a helpful professional, either your company or, um, you know, depending on what part of the world you're in, with, with the help of another company. But the point of today's is they can do it, but they need to become aware of the fact that how much money they need. And it could be a big difference between someone like my brother who needs like 30, 40,000 a year to someone like me who wants 100,000 a month. There may be a variation in between somewhere, but you need to be aware of your number. And then you need to speak to a professional to design a plan for you and work backwards. Otherwise, it's just a dream and people are working and they, they retire at 65 or 70 now. And they realize they don't have enough money to support their, you know, even the basic needs, let alone luxury lifestyle. So so you hit on something. There's a there's a lottery ticket concept, you know, like you said about the Ethereum guy that became a billionaire. Okay. Well, I'm sure Vegas can highlight a lot of people that won the jackpot. Yeah. But again, they're predominantly making money. So they'll highlight the lottery winners. Now, I was it was communicated by my son many years ago. You know, they did a psychological experiment. Who's happier three years later? Someone that became a paraplegic or someone that hit the lottery? Mm-hmm. The someone answer is the parent. It'll be the first one. It won't be the, yeah, the lottery winners are not happy. because And I can tell you why. The lottery happy. winner is generally broke, broke three years later. Mm-hmm. Well, they're generally I, I broke know, three that, years that, later. And the paraplegic is grateful that they... Yeah. Well, in that, I mean, I, I use that example quite a lot. Well, that's that's why that's why you should that's why you should, yeah that's why you shouldn't be throwing hail marys all the time. You know, there's uh, in the sports analogy, there's some blocking and tackling, and you know, you know, moving the chains and getting first downs. That you know, fundamental things that can help someone succeed. So if you get the fundamentals right, periodically you could throw you know a hail mary, but but you don't want to live off that. You know. No, no, and I think that, that that's a, another conversation we can have too about the mindset. You know, you know, people of lottery winners. That's got more to do with the mindset. If so, if your mindset's still stuck in the poor mindset, you haven't got into the wealthy mindset. Doesn't matter how much money you're in, and this is people who won four hundred million and something crazy numbers. How do you get rid of four hundred million in, in less than five years? But then is, but my research indicates that within within five years, um, I think up to eighty to eighty five percent of all lottery winners are back to where they started, or sometimes worse and bankrupt. How does someone lose four hundred million in, in less than five years? It boggles my mind. What can you possibly spend that on? But people do. And um, because they the energy isn't right and the mindset isn't right. So they have to get rid of it. And I, that completely makes sense to me. And that's what I teach. But it's that 
it's that, but we need to change that lottery mindset, as you just said. It's, you're not going to find some random free stock or random, you know, um, a thing that's going to come out this one brilliant idea. You're going to make billions or you're going to win the lottery. You have to systemize now a plan and put into action a way so that you can have the kind of life you want. And everyone can. That's the beauty of today's conversation, Jonathan. I love speaking to you about it. I think anyone listening can can have the hope. Okay, it's daunting. It's huge. It's awful. And people are saying, my numbers think Google is absolutely crazy. She's out of mind. I haven't given you my true number, by the way. So I'm really out of the, out of the world. I'm really out of the box. But I know it's possible because I know what I, I know what I want to do with it. I know where I'm going. But it's possible. It doesn't matter what your number is. You know, it can be done. But you have to, one, recognize your number. And two, speak to someone like yourself, a professional who can help you create a plan for it. Because without a plan, it's just a dream, right? No doubt. I mean, listen, you, you at the end of the day, you want to do something sustainably. I had many friends, several friends in my 20s, very close friends that had lottery tickets and got very successful, very fast, very early and have subsequently blown themselves up. So it's not a process. You don't learn anything from uh, uh, success. Most people learn more from failure. So Agreed. to your point about losing 100,000, you'd rather lose 100,000 than a million. It's better for you to make mistakes with small amounts of money than all of a sudden get to your 40 million and keep gambling and then see the 40 million go to zero. You know, that's oh not God. a, yes, that's not, that, that, that's not yeah. too comforting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I And the 100,000 is awesome Forex, by the way. So. <laughs> Um, not place I recommend for the lighthearted. <laughs> it's a, it's literally um, an interesting place to be. That's more like gambling. I think that's more very, very close to gambling. But anyway, on that note, I think we need to have another conversation. Jonathan. I think we need to have you back for this. I, I love our conversations because you are such an interesting person to speak to. We need to have a, a deeper conversation about investments or something along those lines. And we'll have to have you back on my talkies. But for today, tell everybody, what's the last thing you want to sort of end or, or give a last words of wisdom to our, to our audience? I would end this session by sharing, begin with the end in mind mm. and recognize that you're going to face even the best laid plans. Like Mike Tyson says, you know, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. So <laughs> you're going to have a plan. And you're going to have setbacks from that plan. It's not going to be a straight line. You have to be willing to recognize that it's a process and a journey that is going to take a lifetime. And it's valuable finding a good partner and someone that you trust to be able to hold your hand and um, support you, provide support and structure during times that you might fall down or your knees may get weak and you may question yourself. You may have self-doubt. You know, uh, everyone knows, for example, how to do gym training, but people don't do it. You know, people pay $90 a month for the gym and they don't go. But if you pay $90 an hour for a gym trainer, you're going to show up yes. and you're going to get results. I can vouch so, for that. So, <laughs> you, you know, you get what you pay for. I agree. And I completely agree with that. My my gym membership's poor thing was on the, um, I still am a member of the gym, actually. Uh, that, come, that comes up my account. And I, my gym really, excuse me, I've, I've seen post, you know, pre-COVID and post-COVID, I haven't seen me at all. Whereas my trainer, he comes home in the morning three times a week and he comes knocking in the door and guess what I have to open? I have to open the door. He comes in and we train whether I like it or not. And that I think has been the best thing for, for, for me um, is transform my ideas about myself as possible. And this is so important. So I think the idea of having a partner, a mentor or something is so, so important. That's why I think the work you're doing is so valuable because you really will put 
hand in motion and help hold their hand and actually hold them accountable. Sometimes you need some kick up the backside, like what the fuck are you doing? What the hell are you doing? Get off the track. You need to bring people on track and people need that accountability, whether they like it or not. And I think that's even harder when you are like, if you are an alpha personality like I am, it's very difficult for someone to actually tell that to me. So you need a professional who you respect, who you pay, say, what the flip, come here, you should do this. And then you respect the opinion of a professional more than you would a, a you know a friend or a family because you know you're probably a, a more successful than them and they are. And then why would you listen to them? Whereas the same thing can be told to you by a professional who you respect and you're like, oh, okay, yes, I understand and I agree. That makes sense? Some of my best clients are in the finance finance field. Uh, Several of my clients are very successful hedge fund managers and private equity managers. And they've referred me their whole family. And people would say like, I don't get it. Why are you hiring John and his team to help you? And he said, listen, I know 10 tech stocks, long and short, that's it. But John's got my back. And I know how, no matter how much I worry, they're worried much more on my behalf. Mm. So that accountability is extraordinarily important, as you pointed out. And it requires a, a degree of humility to recognize that you don't have to have all the answers. It does. It does. Completely. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. Jonathan, where can we find you on the internet? How can we connect with you? So you can go, uh, I think we have uh, Twitter and LinkedIn and YouTube and Facebook, but the website is at www.satopsky.com, S-A-T-O-V-S-K-Y.com. And we try to put some uh, timely and timeless material on there from video blogs to education content to financial freedom to investing to, you know, you name it. So uh, anybody wants to, um, you know, follow us and get tuned in to uh, our vibe and appreciates what we have to say. We welcome we welcome the community. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, if you're watching this, or if you listen to this on the podcast, remember all the links, all the links to Jonathan, all his social media, everything that he provides us will be in the show notes. And if you're watching this on YouTube down below, we will have a section in the description where you can click on and link on with Jonathan. And we'll have his website and all his social media links there as well. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for being such an amazing guest. It's been fun and awesome as always talking to you, but we have to have you back for our mind talking segment again. And we'll have another interesting conversation about investments all over again. Hopefully, I'll be in a better position by then as well. Thank you so much, Jonathan. You're well. Thank you. And for those listening, thank you so much for joining me and Jonathan on today's episode of Money Talkies. I will be back on another episode of Money Talkies with another amazing guest. And we'll get we'll sort of pick their brains and find out how we can build our businesses more successfully. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now. If you want to learn more about my energy tools and mindset strategies, then please visit my website, www.gulkhan.com. And if you want to take part in our five-day abundance mindset makeover workshop, where I deep dive into energy tools for abundance, then please go to www.abundancemindsetmakeover.com and register. I look forward to being your mentor in the next workshop. And if you want to learn about the spiritual laws of money, then go and get my book, Laws of Money, from www.lawsofmoney.com. Until the next time we meet, this is Gul Khan signing off. Take care and bye for now.